Hi, it's Mark Bittman, and welcome to Food. As always, you can reach out to us at food at markbittman.com. Let us know what you think. We'd love to hear from you, and we will respond. Please subscribe to this podcast and leave comments wherever you get your podcasts. It really helps. Consider, please, also subscribing to our several times a week newsletter, ever growing, ever more interesting, ever more fabulous, The Bitman Project, delivered straight to your inbox at bitmanproject.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Today's guest, Chris Morocco, is the very talented food director of Bon Appetit and also has a food podcast of his own called Dinner SOS, where he answers pressing and perhaps not so pressing cooking questions from his audience. We talked about that, much about some of the funnier questions he's gotten, but also about how Chris develops recipes, how he eats at home, what it is that he loves so much about the nature of a recipe, many things that he and I have in common. Chris is actually a colleague of my son-in-law, Nick, and it was nice to see how much the two of them like each other. It sort of made this conversation feel a little bit like family. You'll see. Kate and I really enjoyed talking with Chris. We agreed on a lot, and I think we all learned from each other, too. Finally, when Chris studied abroad in college, he brought just one book with him, How to Cook Everything. I never get tired of hearing stuff like that. Anyway, here we are. Enjoy. 
Chris, welcome to Food with Mark Pittman. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. Great to be here. Kate's here, too. Hi, Kate. Hello. You are the Test Kitchen Director of Bon Appetit and um, an extremely prolific recipe developer. And as we know, I love talking about recipe development and recipe writing, and I know it fascinates a lot of people. So could you just run down your process, like how you get ideas and what happens after that? Yeah. I mean, these days, frankly, I do a lot more managing than I do cooking. And yeah, it's funny to think of myself as a as a recipe developer, um, frankly, because I, I don't even get that many occasions to do it anymore, which is kind of <laughs> sad in a way. All right, we're going to throw you off the air but, now and talk to some of the people that work for you. So you're going to want to get somebody else, somebody better, frankly. <laughs> um, no, I think for me, you know, I, I'm always just thinking about recipes and, and the sort of the imperative that they need to be solving a problem. You know, like how can one have make the audacious argument that in a world with literally billions of recipes, like as many like neurons as there are in brains or synapses or whatever it is that are inside our heads, you know, like, how can you make the argument that we need one more? But there, somehow there's always a way, you know, because you're trying to solve for a specific thing or specific problem, make something a little bit faster, incorporate a technique or an ingredient to something where it might not normally appear. And, you know, and I think that's like the bulk of the the question I'm always asking, whether it's my development or my teams, you know, what, what problem is this solving? How are you going to frame this to our audience? And, you know, how are you going to explain like what the hook is here? And then there's the, the recipes that are kind of a bit of a thought exercise that just sort of leads you to an interesting place, right? Like, you know, okay, like ragu bolognese, you know, takes, you know, and it's more authentic forms, like three, four, whatever hours to simmer, you know, until like even ground meat has broken down to a, a state of tenderness that I think, you know, many people, you know, haven't quite experienced themselves if they haven't kind of taken, you know, the steps to create that level of um, execution. And, you know, what if what if we combined like ragu al bolognese with um, drunken noodles? Like what if we were using, you know, a very different pantry to um, to speed up the flavor development process, but in a dish that ultimately presents as something familiar, you know, to, to people, give them a way in, um, but engage their imagination. This is something that I live and breathe and and people are very curious about it, but I think Nobody quite understands what recipe developers do. And right. we exist in the sort of like nether world, at least like I do, you know, both doing my own development and, you know, overseeing the, the original development of the recipes we create at Bon Appetit, but also all of the recipes that we work on that come from chefs, you know, outside contributors and recipe developers. You know, how do you take content and and recipe content at that from other people and turn it into actionable recipes for home cooks, right? It's like people don't quite understand that ultimately what I'm trying to create is a blueprint so that you can cook this thing at home. It's not about how well I can cook it and execute it. Um, you know, it's about like putting a tool in somebody's hands so that they can create the same thing, you know, at least like 85 to 90% as well, hopefully. It's an instruction manual. And um, I always say that. And as such, it has to work. Like it has to be better than the Ikea directions. 
It does. And when, listen, you know, I, I was going to find like a more low key way to kind of slip this in, but Nick kept this little connection very quiet. Yeah. I just want to state on the record. Wait, which connection? His marriage uh, to the Kate? connection to you. The fact that like I have like one degree of separation from you, Mark. Like, this is <laughs> like this is staggering to me. Cause you know, 20 some odd years ago, I I studied abroad in Paris for um a year and I brought one book. I had like one very heavy suitcase <laughs> made heavier still buy my copy of How to Cook Everything. Oh. <laughs> Seriously. You know, I, I and and let me temper that by saying, like, I cannot remember exactly what I cooked for it <laughs> that year. <laughs> I just know that I had it on hand because, to your point about how much language is enough language to, to sort of explain to people how to whip egg whites or do any number of other tasks. You know, you're kind of baseline simple approaches to all these different categories of dishes, but then all the variations, what you can do with it. I mean, literally just the other day on, on Dinner SOS, I was talking to my former colleague, Claire Saffitz, about this issue, you know, um, about what is a recipe and what is really just a template, you know, that a, a template can cross over cuisines, it can cross over cultures, you know, like things that you see together like chicken and rice, right? Like noodles and sauce. Like these are these are templates, you know, and they exist like in all these different permutations. And, you know, empowering people to see the possibility of, you know, their own knowledge, their own pantries, and making smart substitutions, you know, employing ingredients in recipes that don't necessarily follow the context, right? That might be where that ingredient originally came from. You know, that's that's kind of what it's about for me. In the days that I was really a recipe developer, when I really wrote recipes a lot, I didn't have the process that you have. I didn't really have colleagues, as many colleagues, and I didn't have, we certainly didn't talk about the difference between template and recipe, although I can understand that conversation. Sure. So it's a sort of curious, I mean, I too, I'm sort of well past that, although I still really enjoy tackling a problem and solving it in the kitchen. So anyway, let's let Kate get a word in edgewise here. I was just thinking about how much I liked the idea of template versus recipe, but also I wanted to say something about how it is to feel like there can't be any more room for any more recipes out there, because that could also apply to cookbooks, right? Like how many more concepts are there that need to be written about in a cookbook, but then less so than when I first started out cooking, you come across a cookbook that you really love, like the new Hattie McKinnon cookbook is just... I love it. Yeah, I love it so much. It had me me crying. Yeah, it's. I mean, I cry about a lot of things, but I mean, that's. (laughs) You and Nick both. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love a crier. But yeah, I just, the recipes are so wonderful. And I thought, oh, okay, well, I guess we do need this cookbook. I'll allow it. But there are times, and I'm not a recipe developer at all, but there are times where I see a recipe and the combination of ingredients is so perfect that. I think, like, so perfectly suited to me that I just feel like, how did I not create this? How did I not think about this? Hmm. So that's sort of what's fun about discovering a new recipe for me. Like, there's some date and baking combination that I saw recently, and there's, like, two of my favorite things, and just the way it was put together just spoke to me. So, Well, this, yeah. this is where I'm kind of coming to terms with what the world, like, actually is now because I think there used to be a time where okay like you know whether it was the New York Times or Bon Appetit or whoever just sending out recipes into the ether through a print product right 
Occasionally, maybe you heard back, you know, from like one or two readers via a handwritten kind of like scrawled note, you know, it's either something usually very positive or very negative, you know, but now it's, you know, we see these new social media platforms and other platforms emerge in which like almost like it almost the sensation of, you know, all knowledge is like new knowledge if it's like on TikTok for the first time. You know, like peop- these trends kind of come back around, you know, and um, and and now that so much of our content is digital as well as potentially some print or video or whatever, you know, ultimately everything is digital and there are real practical considerations around, well, if you're a brand, you know, you can't just keep cannibalizing yourself, right, and keep developing the same types of recipes or the the recipes let's just say like google determines to be the same you know ultimately you kind of have to back your your strongest players and continue to optimize them and continue to engage with your audience you know to promote them but it's about what you're feeding you know where the opportunities are and where the blank space is to to be creating new things and showcasing new ideas too because that's obviously critical like if you're a brand and you have a point of view you know that that conversation has to continue yeah and every cook is on a different level I mean, some people have never cooked before and they want to and some people just want some new crazy combination with tons of prep i mean it's just such a spectrum so yeah and and, and who your audiences on a given platform might determine obviously how you tailor that approach and how you reach that person and you know how you frame that recipe absolutely and when they meet you, mm-hmm. you know, because you think, oh, I've done this 14 times already. I mean, or, you know, I did this in the 80s. I did this in the 90s. I updated it 20 years ago. I did it again in a different form. Blah, 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 blah. Doesn't mean anyone who's coming to you now has seen any of that stuff. And frankly, the people who were around in the 70s and 80s and everything, I mean, I went over to my aunt and uncle's house, you know, a couple months ago, and, and she's like, really? You put some of the pasta cooking liquid in the, <laughs> the, the skillet? And it was sort of like, what's happening, Judy? You know, like, it's just like, oh, like, you think you're reaching people. You think some amount of your audience, at least, is like coming along for the ride with you, you know, kind of, you know, this aggregate knowledge, you know, that's being kind of passed on, but... Yeah, sometimes those like those victories are being one, you know, one person, one little, you know, kind of tidbit at a time. So I was going to ask you what some of your favorite recipes that you've developed are, but I think a more interesting question would be how do you cook oh, on a regular basis? No. Cuz no, you have two little with, kids. Yeah, okay. no, let's stick with like my favorite recipes cuz do what I say, not what I do. I, you know, I try not to bang on about this too much because I sound like just like a jaded, grumpy dad, you know, but the way I have to cook at home, like who I need to be in my own kitchen is like not, <laughs> not like hugely inspiring. Same. You know, I, I really am quite curtailed in what I can do at home. And, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm a career changer, right, too. Like I, I you know, I didn't really start cooking professionally until I was, you know, right around 30. And, um, you know, I think I just, I was aware that of course, like in making what you love your career, you're, you're, you're going to entail some sacrifices, right? Um, it's going to become your job and you're just going to have to sort of show up and do it. And I'm, and I'm so psyched for that still every day, like in the workspace. But when it comes to like what I come home and cook at night, it's like, 
it's 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 ugly you know it's like it's ugly <laughs> 6 p.m scrambling you know just like trying to make even a little bit of magic happen um but but no I, you know but my yep. kids like you know at least like they do appreciate you know some of like my my favorite recipes i've done like you know like the ba's best chocolate chip cookies like you know, I, it's funny because like, it's one of those things like Carla Lolly music assigned it to me, you know, maybe, maybe I didn't look like I had enough to do that day. And she was like, well, why don't you tackle this one? We could use an updated cookie recipe. Mm. Um, <laughs> right. but I love like the deep dive, you know, it's, it's, it's somewhat rare that I get to just do a deep dive into something that is so iconic, so classic, you know, and, and you, it just the ability to just like kind of pick it apart, you know, look at what are the recipes that are out there that, you know, um, audiences broadly speaking are gravitating towards. What are the iconic chocolate chip cookies that, you know, you just want to be informed by just to kind of know how other people have approached it. You talked a little bit about reviews and comments, and I also date to the time when I'd get one letter a week or two letters a week from somebody who just thought I was the greatest person in the world or the worst. When digital comments started happening, I paid attention to them, but now I kind of generally ignore them. Unless, you know, if someone says this person's making a good point, you got to pay attention to that. I'm wondering how you, you must just get tons there. I'm wondering how you sort of generally handle reviews and whether you retest recipes and say, maybe we got this wrong or you just always like they made a mistake because they always do or, or what? Yeah. I mean, obviously like there's the type of review that's, you know, well, I changed. (laughs) Well, no, it actually starts out. Clearly this recipe was never tested. Just like (laughs) period, full stop. Everybody knows it. You know, I'm calling bullshit. Clearly this recipe was never tested because dot, dot, dot. But then you kind of read a few lines down. It's like, well, I didn't have any blank, so I used this. You know, I didn't have that, <laughs> so I used that. this. There's always you know, so, that. So there's that kind of review, which like, you know, it's it's fine. You know, uh, we all kind of know what happened there. But but yeah, yeah. We, we are trying to be more aware of reviews. And, and I can't remember what podcast she was on, but Genevieve Cove talked about this, like in a way that I thought was like really relevant to me. You know, again, like now that so like all of our content is is digital, we can't ignore that feedback, you know? I think there was a time when we didn't have to be, you know, as aware of it. Um, but now, you know, our recipes, like, have to work really hard for us. And, and you know, they're behind a paywall now. So there's a, a new kind of community of recipe users who are, like, you know, are kind of, like, our most loyal and engaged subscriber audience um, through our app. And we need to care, you know? But I would say, like, it's requiring a little bit of like a paradigm shift, you know, at least like for me, you know, as a, as a leader to think about how we work with existing content. And, and Genevieve's point was, you know, you're always editing. You always have to be editing. And for us as a big brand, that's definitely the case, you know, to, to continue to kind of interrogate the, the content that we've published and figure out how to continue to optimize it, continue to figure out how it can be working harder for us as opposed to just being, you know, a brand that's consumed by creating new content, you know? Uh, and I think for a long time, we were definitely a little bit on the side of like, we're just so wrapped up, you know, producing new things that we're not necessarily spending as much time as we could be editing what's already there. That's really interesting. 
Stay tuned for more from me, Kate, and Chris Morocco. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Life is full of what-ifs, some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry, and some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs, no deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Have you ever bought something, owned something that really inspired you to up your game? A tennis racket, a new pair of running shoes, a new piece of cooking equipment that made you just want to cook your brains out? I know that when I first started cooking on induction burners, I just couldn't stop. It was so much fun. When we own exceptional things, they inspire us to do exceptional things. The all-new Lexus GX has an exceptional capability that will have you seeing possibilities you never knew existed. Its advanced technology and luxurious interior mean that wherever you go, you'll never go without. Some of the features that are available on this car include dynamic sky panorama glass roof, front row massaging seats, you know you want that, available 33-inch all-terrain tires, which you will want when you check out the multi-terrain select. These are really great features, the kind of features that will make you proud and happy to own a Lexus GX. Live up to the all-new Lexus GX, luxury beyond limits. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. We're all drinking more water these days, and we're all concerned that we're drinking safe, clean, unpolluted water. Yet, according to our friends at the Environmental Working Group, three out of four homes in the United States have harmful contaminants in their tap water. That's why it's worth checking out AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers use a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process, and their countertop purifiers work with no installation or plumbing. They remove 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and are specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAS, 
you know, those forever chemicals in your water supply. PFAS, by the way, is found in almost 45% of U.S. tap water. AquaTrue has water purifiers to fit every type of home, from installation-free countertop purifiers to higher-capacity under-sink options. Their proprietary purification technology is independently tested to remove over 80 of the most harmful contaminants, including chlorine, fluoride, arsenic, PFAS, nitrates, and many, many others. The filters are affordable and long-lasting, and they do not need changing every two or three months like so many others. They last from six months to up to two years. Just one set of filters from their classic purifier makes the equivalent of 4,500 bottles of water, less than three cents a bottle. Plus, you won't be buying bottled water, and it'll save the environment from tons of single-use plastic waste. AquaTrue comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee and makes a great gift. Today, listeners to Food with Mark Bittman receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier. Just go to AquaTrue.com, that's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com, and enter code Bittman at checkout. For 20% off any AquaTrue water purifier, go to AquaTrue.com and use the promo code Bittman, B-I-T-T-M-A-N. We do see that there's a lo- very loyal following for process, for what a recipe is about, for how you got to that place, the sort of old Cook's Illustrated, if you will, model oh, yeah. of I tried this, then I tried that. I fucked it up this way, and then I fucked it up that way, whatever. Why a recipe works, which we don't do a lot of, but but people do. We think, I mean, we think they're, and I don't know that they're all necessarily old people, but maybe they are. But the, we think there are people who still like what this recipe is about, why it works, how we got to this place, and so on. And um, that doesn't have to be a long, drawn-out, Cook's Illustrated kind of thing. You know, I tried this 125 different ways, and here are the first 124, and here's the best. It doesn't have to be like that, but it can be I was playing around with this, and I discovered that, and then I thought about this. And People like that kind of story behind the thing. I get that there's video everywhere and video is sort of taking over, but I personally feel like video is an inefficient way to learn things. And um, I can't be the only person who thinks that. So, you know, it's a big country. There's room for a lot of different ways of doing things, I think. Yeah, I, you know, and I think I think you're right that I think the the interest is there. I think just how you're able to reach your audiences is is what has changed, you know. Um, and for better or for worse, like video is one of those things that you know we do find like it's a different type of audience. You know, maybe it's like it's not the Cooks Illustrated type of audience, but it it is a very engaged audience. And I I've actually found like honestly the YouTube audience they were very hard on me in the beginning. But now it's like it's a place with like a fair amount of positivity because it's people who have created these like pockets of fandom around like really specific areas of content. See, Mark, like you're you're like OG, like That's you're totally kind OG. of <laughs> like you're you didn't need to to use social media to to kind of like you know growth hack your way to a big audience. You know what I mean? Like you did it. Sorry, I'm going to say like the old fashioned way, but like, I mean that like, honestly, from a place of like profound respect, like books and reaching people through, you know, media, right? Like not through social media. And 
I am still like in awe of, you know, the people who, you know, like yourself, like are still around, you know, doing this work. But what I found like coming into, you know, the, the, the magazine space was that the people who were kind of in charge, like when I first, you know, kind of got in the door, a lot of them like never figured out any amount of social media or video, you know, and I feel like it really, that ended up being a major detriment, you know, to their careers that they weren't willing to kind of like engage. Um, I was like right on the cusp. Like this is this is really my point that like I was right on the cusp of, you know what? I don't need to like really make a big play for increasing, you know, my following on on Instagram or anything. But I was like, I just am worried about, you know, feeling personally like I'm a bit of a dinosaur, you know, like too early, you know, in mm-hmm. my career. And I'm, and now I'm like kind of back around to that question of, well, yeah, but I really don't want to do TikTok. You right. know what I mean? And like, yeah. And that's probably going to act to my detriment. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, book publishers at this point are only bringing on authors who have certain numbers on their socials. Like, Oh yeah, that's that's so obscene to me. But then I I just think, okay, well I'm old, so I don't understand it, and they're allowed to do that. But it seems so unfair. You know, it's like I have to take heart though that like people like Hetty are publishing books like Tenderheart, right? That like she doesn't have some massive social media presence, but she is a recipe developer's recipe developer. I mean, she is so. I would say, like, you know, beloved and respected within this industry in a way that, like, you know, there's, I don't know, there's a sort of, like, a mutual support within the community that I think hopefully is giving, you know, a platform for people who don't necessarily, you know, have just, like, raw social numbers behind them. Yeah. Less and less that support is coming from real public, real, from traditional, from OG publishers, if you will. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Mm -hmm. fair we should talk about your podcast, Chris. Oh, yes. Because, sure. <laughs> <laughs> so it's called Dinner SOS, and you basically solve audience problems. But you do it... I mean, Mark originally wanted to have a podcast that was based on car talk, but for cooking. Oh, yeah. Where people would like... Totally. Call, yeah. I mean, I grew up... I'm a Boston That's like kid. the background of my... Are you kidding? Childhood. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody We actually to got it. a grant from NPR... <laughs> Probably in 98, 99, we got a grant from NPR to develop that show. Um, wow. And me and Emily Nunn, I don't know if you know, Emily, did a no. couple of pilots of, I can't remember what we were calling it, Food Talk or something incredibly uncreative. And it was good, but they decided not to make the show. So that was that. Then we oh. wanted to do a podcast and... That was before we realized we could do a podcast without getting anybody to help us do a podcast. But yeah. Yeah. I mean, that that's the show we made. You know, it's like it is is car talk for dinner, really. And and I I what I loved about the idea was frankly, like we finally had the production support to to do it right, to queue up live calls, you know, with with listener questions and to follow up with them, find out how it went, that additional layer of insight. It's just, it's incredibly gratifying to me, you know, just to connect with people just where they are with their culinary knowledge and the problems that they're facing. Uh, I just, you know, I just like talking to people like you, you know, about food and just understanding like who, who they are in the kitchen. 
Okay, but what's the craziest question you've gotten? (laughs) Let's get down to it. (laughs) (laughs) I really had to like, I really had to think about this. Um, There was like, there was somebody who was like going on a fishing trip and was looking for ideas of like what to make with freshwater fish, but with the caveat that they really didn't like fish at all. And it just sort of sent me into a tailspin of like, maybe you should be doing something different. Like maybe go bow hunting. Like, I don't know, like, are, <laughs> but are, 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 like, are we choosing these pursuits based on like, you know, that sort of level of, um, you know, kind of, uh, whatever, like, are we choosing our pursuits like based on like, you know, somebody like that, like, like what does, does it, does it matter, you know, that he's like fishing, but like, doesn't like fish. I don't know. I just, I, I sort of spun out about that. That question is so funny because when I think of people freshwater fishing, I always think of bacon. And I think (laughs) the answer to that question is make sure you have a lot of bacon because then you can make your fish taste like bacon and you'll be really happy. So anyway, there you go. I didn't want to be disheartening, but it's like there's a reason that like like almost all freshwater fish other than trout, but even sometimes trout, it's like, it's smoked, you know, it's like something drastic has been done with it because <laughs> most of it, like, especially like, what, like a large mouth bass that tastes like pond scum and algae, like, yeah, no, like- there's <laughs> nothing to be done here. Um, sorry. Leave it alone. Just pick up some salmon on the way home. <laughs> anyway, not helpful, but that's what I was thinking. It's all a little bit like kooky. You know, what I want, what I thought we were going to be getting was like everybody's kind of like ugly failures. And we get that occasionally, you know, somebody who's just like, you know, sort of questioning how how could I be cooking scallops better? Like, why are my scallops not like burnished and golden and brown and, you know, with that like kind of crispy edge? You know, but I think a lot of the time, like people don't necessarily realize there's kind of a gulf between like what they're doing and like what they could be doing. You know what I mean? Like, do people even realize that like, you know, (laughs) anyway, this is like very cynical, but like a lot of our failures in the kitchen are the sort of like the, the sort of quiet ones, right? Where we could be doing something better, but like, you know, are we truly going to embark on this intentional process of like becoming the best cooker of scallops possible? I think that so much of people's cooking problems, so many of their failures are basically they're being overambitious either in their judgment of their own abilities, which maybe that's not even that big a thing, but so many recipes are really written or most easily accomplished when they're one or two servings. And I was in a cooking class the other day, I was just on a, a ship. And they had this beautiful culinary center with like 12 or 18 individual spaces, each with its own induction burner and cutting board. That's really beautiful. On the Regent Explorer. It was amazing. And the teacher, who was not me, the teacher was was having people sear one scallop. Each, Each person was searing one scallop. And I was like, that's really cool because... It's they and some of them were like didn't know how to melt butter, so it was a mm. wasn't a crazy lesson. But I thought, yes, yeah, searing one scallop or even searing two scallops, that's pretty easy. You yeah. want to try to sear eight scallops? The fact is, you kind of need two pans if you want to sear eight scallops, and that's not a lot of scallops. But 
this second you crowd a pan with scallops, I mean, getting a little into the weeds here, but as, no. soon as, as soon as you crowd a pan with scallops or meat or chicken or anything that you want to brown, it just isn't going to work. You know, I think a, a lot of mistakes are about that sort of not getting the fundamental principle of the thing. You know, yeah, no, I've never really thought about it quite like that because I feel like we're so often trying to control for, well, it's got to yield, you know, four servings, right? Like it's so invariable, you know, that we're just like, yeah, you know, we're kind of beholden to a certain yield outcome. But it's really true. Like we we had a call from somebody who was saying like, you know, anytime they make pasta for a crowd, you know, like every time, you know, you're you're trying to knock around a pound of spaghetti, you know, that that's not how people do pasta in restaurants, right? I mean, it's like you see like a very, you know, three, four ounces of some type of pasta, you know, in a 10-inch skillet minimum being tossed around so aggressively, you know, with butter and maybe cheese or oil and pasta cooking liquid to, to bring it together the way it needs to, to have that lovely, glossy, emulsified, you know, kind of finish to it. And yeah, it's like if you have a pound of spaghetti, I mean, you know, it's like there's just no the elegant way to, to do that, you know? Um, We wanted to ask you or give you an opportunity to shout out a few of your favorite summer recipes since it's summer and people are always looking. Okay, here are my four. I'm going to move through these very quickly, all right? I love grilling cuts of meat that are like usually seen as like a braising cut. And like one of my favorite meats to grill is brisket, Mm. very thinly sliced and aggressively marinated. So like this is called a grilled brisket with scallion peanut salsa. It gets a marinade of um, like oyster sauce, uh, lime juice, soy sauce, sugar, et cetera. Um, It can go for up to overnight. And it's like thin pieces of brisket and you know you basically then just like you you grill them and they have like obviously they retain some texture and chew but just that kind of like the intensity of flavor you get from that is just so nice and just like a really easy you know kind of sauce to go on it summer squash and basil pasta this basically you know you cook down zucchini or yellow you know crookneck or other squash to like a like just like a gunge you know, like you hammer it, you (laughs) cook out all of the available moisture from it, you know, with garlic, basil, chilies, et cetera. And you just hammer it until it's like almost a paste. And then you kind of pick that up with some pasta cooking liquid and, you know, any kind of pasta of your choice. And just that expression of like summer squash, like when you've concentrated its flavor and you have that, you know, kind of melding of these ingredients, it just becomes quite rich and satisfying, you know, um, not quite meaty, but it's, it's squash. Like you kind of never knew it. Um, I just love that one. And one day, hopefully my children will eat it. That <laughs> has not happened they yet. They will. I'm staying hopeful. <laughs> um, And then this was like a random one, but I just was like, oh yeah, that was a good one. It's like a corn and chickpea bowl with miso jalapeno tahini dressing. Basically just like a lot of my fastest meals that I do, you know, at home, especially if it's just like for me and my wife is, 
you know, starts with like a base of crispy chickpeas, you know, but just cutting some, you know, um, some kernels off of a couple ears of corn, tossing them around like once those chickpeas have gotten a head start on crispiness, and then just kind of like integrated with like some leafy greens, um, and then just like a very flavorful blender dressing, you know, kind of featuring um, tahini with some miso and like some fresh chili. I just like, I'm a big fan of, um, if I'm going to break out the blender, I'm going to make it count and I'm going to make like a really, you know, kind of luscious creamy dressing that's going to last for days. So I'll often use like a neutral vinegar, like a rice vinegar for it. Just so, you know, there's like no sort of fall off in flavor from like fresh citrus or something. And and that's just a great one just to use again, like kind of as a framework for um, how to turn a a can of chickpeas and a a dream into dinner. Soy-basted chicken skewers with sesame citrus sprinkle. This one, basically my POV on skewers is stop trying to put a whole bunch of different stuff on a single skewer. You know, if you're going to do skewers, just have it be all chicken. If you want to skewer scallions or bell pepper or whatever else, like just do all bell pepper or scallion or chunks of onion on any one skewer. So you can really control for the the cooking process of that one ingredient. And it's just like a simple soy, you know, lightly sweet marinade, you know, kind of in the vein of like yakitori and then um, just like a fresh kind of citrus and sesame sprinkle just to kind of finish it. But I felt like when, when we did this story, it was like a print story from a, a number of years back, sort of was really like fun to just explore you know, all the different things that like really like they cook in a very singular way, you know, when they're skewered and grilled over live fire and chicken thigh is just one of those things that I think is a total knockout. So that is one that the kids will eat now. Major (laughs) life update. Major um, win. I mean, obviously no sprinkle on it. I mean, my gosh, Um, (laughs) but, but just marinated and and grilled, um, you know, skewered meats like I, I love doing now. Okay, Kate, last question. (laughs) What did you have for dinner last night? Oh, (laughs) all right. This is going to make me sound like, well, (laughs) in my mind. No, no, no. Actually, I was going to say, like, this is going to make me sound like a rock star. A recipe developer? (laughs) No, I was was in New York last night, and I I stayed for dinner because I had a friend in town on a layover, and I took the afternoon off, and we went for an early dinner at Attaboy you know, sort of in the Flatiron District. And yep. the um, the chef, Jungan uh, Park, is just phenomenal. And this is a place that I'd eaten at pre-pandemic. I want to say it was like four or so years ago. And wow, to walk back in a place, you know, four years later, and it hasn't missed a step. And this is not how I eat, you know, most nights, truly. You know, I'll often like maybe have like one night out a week that I go out. Or sometimes when I'm in New York, I'll meet up with friends and colleagues and, and get to try new restaurants. But I mean, they they do, you know, like an egg custard topped with sea urchin and all, um, you know, kind of crispy bits of ghee or, you know, kind of seasoned nori. They did, um, like, they do a Korean-style twice-fried chicken. They do, it's like a, a boneless thigh, bone, you know, it's like boned out, but then cut into like this little sort of like almost like a baton. And then it's given um, a supremely crispy batter you know it's got to be like potato starch or something kind of um you know sort of tempura like shell but they twice fry it so the level of crunch is just insane and they do a gochujang dipping sauce with that and a spicy peanut dipping sauce both are so phenomenal 
there's a whole number of things they do on their tasting menu. And they they always have this um, dessert that's like a, um, a shaved ice over burrata. Um, and oh then they God. kind of vary up the set. And last night <laughs> it was a peach yogurt with burrata and a very intensely aromatic um, cinnamon sort of infused shaved ice um, mm. with walnuts. And it was just sort of like, you're kind of eating this. You're just like, what? is this you know it like when cinnamon it's not cinnamon in the way of like the way it can kind of dry out your palate but cinnamon from the standpoint of like almost like just like the oil like the retro nasal mm-hmm. kind of experience of like the brightness the liveliness of that flavor and it was just mind bending so anyway that was an uncharacteristic big night out for me but <laughs> normally i would have a much more humble answer for you we have all kinds of answers, so that's cool. <laughs> yeah, I like that we got you on a rock star night. Yeah. <laughs> all right, well, thanks, Chris. Thank you, Chris. No, thank you both. Seriously, it's just, it's fun to be here. It's really so cool to be able to connect with you. And um, I just, you know, frankly, I can't wait to have you on Dinner SOS so I can ask you questions and yeah i just i appreciate the chance to uh to have the conversation yeah and that's happening soon i think so yeah we'll see you again in a couple of weeks yeah that sounds great all right thanks again chris take care yeah okay talk to you later bye 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 i'm gonna read you chris's recipe for corn and chickpea bowl with miso jalapeno tahini Gorgeous picture on the Bon Appetit website, and of course you can find it there. Once again, it's the corn and chickpea bowl with miso jalapeno tahini. It's not that challenging. There are a few ingredients, so get ready. You will want, it's on our website too, so you don't really have to take notes. You just have to be inspired. You will want a three-quarter inch piece of ginger peeled and finely grated, two small jalapenos seeded and chopped, two garlic cloves, finely grated, a cup of cilantro leaves with the tender stems, a third of a cup of fresh lime juice, a third of a cup of tahini, one and a half tablespoons of miso, and some salt. Uh, You will also need three tablespoons of olive oil, plus some more for drizzling. It's not going to get used all at once. Two more garlic cloves, lightly crushed, A 14-ounce can of chickpeas rinsed and drained. Obviously, you can use chickpeas that you cooked yourself. Three ears of corn shucked and the kernel stripped. A tablespoon of za'atar or another flavorful spice blend of your choice. More salt and four cups of little gem or other small lettuce leaves torn if they're large. For garnish, crumbled feta, some lime wedges, and more cilantro. So... To put it all together, from that first ingredient list, you puree the ginger, jalapenos, garlic, cilantro, lime juice, tahini, miso, three tablespoons of water, and some salt in a blender until smooth. That's pretty easy. You can do that a day ahead and keep it in the fridge in an airtight container. Now for assembling the bowl, heat two tablespoons of oil in a large skillet over medium Add those crushed cloves of garlic and cook, turning occasionally until they're golden brown, three or four minutes. Mash that garlic with a spoon and stir it into the oil. Add the chickpeas and increase the heat to medium high and cook undisturbed until the chickpeas are golden brown and beginning to crisp underneath about three minutes. 
toss and continue to cook, tossing occasionally until they're golden brown all over another couple of minutes. Add the corn along with a tablespoon of oil and cook, tossing until the corn kernels are golden around the edges and tender five to seven minutes. Sprinkle the za'atar or whatever spice mix you're using over everything and toss to coat, season to taste with salt. Now, lightly drizzle that lettuce with oil in a large bowl and toss that to combine, season that with salt. Divide the tahini among four bowls and top it with a portion of lettuce and the corn and chickpea mixture. Sprinkle that with feta and serve with lime wedges and cilantro alongside. As I said, you will find this recipe on our website and on the Bon Appetit website. So looks great, sounds great. I hope you enjoy it. Thank you to a wonderful, innovative, brilliant cook and all-around great guy, Chris Morocco, for joining us today. You can follow him on Instagram at Morocco Chris, M-O-R-O-C-C-O-C-H-R-I-S. And you can obviously get more of him and his creative, inspired recipes at bonappetit.com. Don't forget to listen to Dinner SOS, too. Thank you to my co-host, Kate Bittman. She is also our producer, and thanks to our engineer, Davis Lloyd. Thank you for listening again. Please subscribe, and please subscribe to our newsletter, too, The Bittman Project at bitmanproject.com. See you next week when we will have somebody amazing. Bye for now. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.